0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. (laughs) Peace, brother. (laughs) What do you think? You think I look pretty cool? I think I look pretty cool. Yeah. You probably wish you looked this cool, don't you, when you come to church? Man, look at this. I haven't worn something like this in, well, you don't know how many years it's been, but probably, wow. I'm pretty cool. You're pretty cool, too. You know, it's fun to be cool, and everybody wants to be cool. I don't know if you remember the the 60s and the 70s. Do you remember them? Or maybe you read about them. You're much too young to have lived in the 60s and 70s. It was a cool time. Everybody wanted to be cool. They wore cool clothes, and... I want to be cool. But you know what? Cool is a lot more than just what clothes you wear. You know, you might wear cool clothes, but that doesn't mean you're cool. To be cool is something more than just that what's on the outside. So we're going to kick off a new series of messages this week called Be Cool. And one of our objectives in all of this is that you can be cool too that you can be a cool person. And we're going to try to help you do that by knowing that you can be cool with God, that you can be cool in that relationship, and that you can be cool with other people as well, that we can be cool with each other, and we can be cool with ourselves as well. So cool is a lot more than just what you wear on the outside. It's about what's going on on the inside. And so as much as i hate to take this off you know i i used to have like a full head of hair under something like this you know but i don't anymore i don't have it there it's gone oh well i'm still cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> Abe, we just want to welcome you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of this service. If you're watching online or screen somewhere, I would just like to welcome you as well. Thanks for being a part of our service. We are going to look into the book of Romans. So if you brought your Bible, whether it's digital or physical Bible, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 14, we're going to start there today. Um, You know, Paul wrote this really cool letter uh, called Romans. And it's in our New Testament. It's a really, really good book. It gives us so much information. And really the first part of that book, in fact, most of the first part, has to do with what God has done for you and I. How much he did for us that you and I could be in relationship with him. That we could be cool with him. It talks about how Jesus came as a man, offered himself for our sacrifices, And then how he rose from the dead and how that our relationship could be restored, that we could be made whole again with Jesus. And it's really an important book. I would encourage you to read it. But once you get to about Romans chapter 12, you start to see that Paul begins to take a little bit of a turn to a different direction. He spent the first part of the book talking about this is what God has done for you, why it's so important. And then he moves to what God wants to do through you and I. He, he turns to talk about how he wants our relationships to come together so that we can do great things together. And so he begins to make this turn right there. And, and, and so here's what he says when in, Ro- in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, that means they're cool with God, and receives human approval. That means we're cool with each other. Now, if you're like me, there's a few words that kind of we don't use every day. This whole kingdom of God thing, like, We're going to come back to that in a little bit. So park your thought there for just a little bit. We're going to come back to that. That's one of them. Here's another one, righteousness. I bet you haven't used righteousness all day yet, have you? That's not one of your normal words that you kind of just come out with. That's a little bit tough for us. There's another translation of the Bible that kind of helps with that. This is a new living translation. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. That way we can be cool with God and others will approve of you too. We can be cool with each other. You see, righteousness is really about being cool with God and being cool with each other. Here's what was happening in Paul's world. When Paul was writing this letter, when he was going around to all the places he went to, their culture was kind of like full of idols, like false gods and things. If they went to the marketplace, they were there. If they went home, it was there. If they went to their work, there were idols there. Even when they went to their bedrooms to go to sleep, there was idols there because they wanted to cover all their bases, right? Right? You don't want to get zapped because you forgot one. And so there was idols everywhere. And so people would come to find that Jesus is the one true God. And so they would come out of this idol culture. And as they grew in their faith, as they became stronger, more confident maybe in their faith, they began to recognize that these idols really weren't anything at all that there was no value in them. They didn't really, they're not really gods. They don't mean anything. And so when there was food or drink that was dedicated to them, ah, it doesn't mean anything. I can partake of that. I've got enough faith to do that. Here's the problem. The problem was some of the younger Christians, some of the newer Christians, they weren't at the same point. And so when, when the more mature Christian, the person who's a little bit stronger in their faith would say, Hey, I'm going to eat this stuff. I don't care where it's dedicated to. The, the younger people would say, you can't do that. Don't you know where that, that was sacrificed to? Don't you know? And these folks would say, I know and I don't care because it doesn't matter. And they would just eat it. These people back here would all of a sudden start questioning their faith. I thought we're not supposed to do that. I didn't think that was right. Now the guy did it. I don't know what to do. And if they did it, they would violate their conscience. And so it was beginning to tear some of the churches apart because some who were stronger were not taking care of some who were a little bit less farther along. And so Paul wanted to head this off. And so the question we are going to dive in today in this first message of the series is what does it mean to be a cool person? What does it mean to be a cool person? You know, it's more than just cool t shirts and really cool glasses. I really like these glasses. You might see these again. I don't know, probably not. You know, being cool in our culture today, being cool in our culture means that I have the right house in the right place the right neighborhood, I've got the right cars, the right job, the right amount of money, I'm sending my kids to the right school, we're doing all the right stuff. Cool. cool means we're doing all this stuff really well. But the Bible's view of cool is a little bit different. It's not so much worried about the outside, those things on the outside, it's worried about what's going on on in the inside. The Bible's concerned with what's going on inside of us. Am I being cool with God and am I being cool with each other? If we do that, God thinks we're cool. It doesn't matter what we have on the outside. Our culture drives us to do things that God may not think is all that cool. And so what we're gonna do in the next few moments is we're gonna look at both parts of that coolness that God wants to give to you. We're gonna look at what does it mean to be cool with God and what does it mean to be cool with each other? How can we do that? How can we make that happen? And, and here's the thing. We want to ask the question, what does it mean to be cool with God? Now, if you're like me, sometimes it's easier for me to understand a concept if, I, if somebody helps me find out what it is not. Like, it's not this, so it must be this. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's helpful to know what it is not. And so here's what being cool is not like. Being cool with God is not about being perfect or following all the rules. It's not about being perfect or following all the rules. Now, do we have any rule followers in here today? Rule, oh, yeah, look at that. There's a few people that are brave. They're like, yeah, me, it's over here, me. I followed the rule when he asked me to raise my hand if I follow rules. Yeah. Or maybe you live with a rule follower. Okay, you have to be careful there because you'll get in trouble and the day's hardly started. You don't want to do that. Yeah, rule following. Yeah, some of us are rule followers and some of us aren't. (laughs) That's okay. Listen, some of us have had church experiences where we feel like that's what our relationship with God is all about. Somehow... We're supposed to follow all the rules. Like maybe we grew up that way or we got taught that way. But we feel like somehow we have to follow all the rules to be cool with God. That somehow we've got to check all the boxes. We've got to make it all happen. We've got to be perfect or at least convince everyone else that we're perfect. Even if we know that we're not. And then there's some people maybe that have never been in church Maybe this is your first time in a church service or watching online. Welcome if it is. Sometimes you've not come to a church because you've heard about church people like that. You've heard about people who who said, man, Christians are all about following rules. And if we don't follow all the rules, we get in trouble. We can't do anything. But that's not what a relationship with God should feel like. That's not what it should look like. You just feel like somebody's about ready to lower the boom on you all the time. And you walk around with that over your head. And that's not what God wants for us. That's not how he wants us to be cool with him. You know, there was a, uh, a golfer, a professional golfer. His name was Roberto De Vincenzo. Roberto De Vincenzo. And he was a really, really good golfer in the 1960s and the 1970s. And one major tournament, he found himself tied for the lead after the final round. This was the 1968 Masters Tournament. Now, you might not be familiar with everything in professional golf, but if if you know anything, you know that these major tournaments are really key for the players to win because it sets them apart to be, you know, the best of the best, you know, that kind of thing. And so here's Roberto, 1968 Masters, one of the major tournaments, and he's tied for the lead at the end of the tournament. And so he's just waiting for the other players to finish. And one of the things all the players do is they keep a scorecard and they sign, sign the card at the end of the round. So Roberto did that. So he's watching for all the people to get done. And he looks and here's a couple of the tour officials coming over to talk with him. And they said, hey, Roberto, can we have a, a word with you? I said, yeah, sure, sure, come on over. <laughs> what do you say to those people, right? Yeah, sure. I said, hey, is this your scorecard? And he looks at it and they, yeah, yeah, that's my scorecard. Hey, is that your signature on the scorecard? Yeah, yeah, that's my signature too. Would you be willing to take a look at your scorecard? Just kind of check it and make sure it's all right. And so Roberto takes a scorecard, and he starts with hole one. Yeah, two, three. Goes all the way. He gets to 17. And he knows that on hole 17, he shot three. But the scorecard says four. He goes, oh, man, there's a mistake here. I got a three on that hole, not a four. I'll fix it. And the tour official goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nope. You can't fix it. Roberto, this is what we thought. There's a mistake on your scorecard. We know you scored a 3. You know you scored a 3. But your scorecard says you scored a 4. And you signed it. And so that means that's the score you get. And so you missed the playoff by one shot. And Roberto lost his chance to win the 1968 Masters because he didn't follow the rules. Some of you feel that way about your relationship with God. You feel like there's somebody that's going to walk up to you sometime and say, you didn't follow all the rules. You can't make the playoff. That's not what God has for you and I. He's not a scorekeeper. He gives grace. Let me show you what Paul said to a different group of people in this city called Ephesus, Ephesians 2.9. He said, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, it's the grace of God that matters. It's his grace. You might think of it this way. He's already fixed your scorecard. Your scorecard is right because he did the work. And now all we have to do is trust in him, accept what he's done, have faith in him, and accept what he has done for us. And you know what that means? That means we can be cool with God. Some of you need to make that commitment today. Maybe you're watching this on a screen or you're here. You need to make that commitment today. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And you need to receive his forgiveness He's corrected your scorecard. And commit your life to him. And you can be cool with God. Before we close this message, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to do just that. So it really matters, this relationship we have with God. But it's not on what we do. It's what he's done that really matters. So the question we really want to ask ourselves is am I cool with God, and is he cool with me? Am I cool with God, and is he cool with me? Now, some of us have been Christians. We've believed in Jesus for quite a while probably. And you might say, well, you know what? Been there, done that, believed in Jesus, checked the box, got the T-shirt. Not a cool T-shirt like this, but I got the t shirt But if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that there's more to our faith than just me and God. There's more to it than just me and God and everything's okay. What God wants to do is take each one of us for us to be cool with him and then for each of us to be cool with each other so we can work together to move forward his work that he wants to do. You see, he wants to do something through us, collectively, together. Everybody needs to make this decision that you're right with God and that God is cool with you. But we also need to work together to see God's kingdom come to this earth and to fix a broken world. And so, if we're going to be a cool person... We need to be cool with God and cool with other people. That's what needs to happen to us. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, when he wrote the letter Romans that we're looking at now, he had never been to Rome. He'd never met these people. But Paul had been to a few places, and he knew what it was like. He knew that when people began to grow in their faith, that sometimes what happens is we would begin to elevate our personal preferences and our privileges and what we thought we wanted to do more than making sure we all go there together. We began to elevate the things we want to do and leave behind some of the folks that are just getting started. And it threatened to rip some of the churches apart that he was a part of. And so he wrote to the Romans without ever knowing them, to try to head that off. He had a hunch that would probably happen there. And so here's what he wrote a little bit ahead of the verses that we looked at just a bit ago in Romans chapter 14 and verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. In other words, stop ripping each other apart and instead make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. He's saying that it's up to us to make a decision that I I am not going to put any kind of obstacle in front of another person so that we can go together into what God wants us to do together. I can be cool with God, and I can be cool with you as well. You see, what was happening was in some of these churches, and he was afraid it might happen in Rome, is that people were beginning to focus on some of these smaller, non-essential type issues. In their world, it was like food sacrifice to idols or, or drink sacrifice to idols. These non-essential issues, they were focused here and exercising their rights here, but they were ripping the community apart without considering everyone. Paul wanted to head that off you know let's take it back to our world that was their world their world with idols and things like that sometimes that's hard for us to understand let's take it to our world today you and I have been through a year and a half of some pretty interesting situations haven't we we've been in a year and a half where we've had a lot of disruption We've had a lot of different things happen. Some of us have had lots of loss. We've lost people dear to us. We've lost relationships that we thought we had. We've been through a lot over the last year and a half. There's been a lot of opinions about different things. There's been a lot of social media posts. There's been a lot of hurt from all of that. And here's what happens in our world. We get focused on the non-essential issues. What maybe somebody posts on Facebook or whatever. And we forget that not everybody's in the same place. And we risk pulling ourselves apart instead of focusing on the central thing, which is what God wants to do through all of us. Let's go back to Romans 14, 17. This is... I told you I would return to kingdom of God. This is the moment. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is the big thing. We don't understand that word. That's another one that we don't kind of use a lot, right? It's this thing. Here's here's my simple. I need simple things. Here's, Here's a simple thing. A simple way to think about the kingdom of God. It's God's big picture. What God wants to do in a big way to help people in this world, in this hurting world. It's his big view of things. And he lets us be a part of it. He lets us together be a part of making that happen. And so what Paul's saying here is it's the kingdom of God that's the big deal, not what we eat or drink. Or let me say it differently, not what we post on Facebook or not what we say to someone about something. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the important thing. This doesn't say the kingdom of Chris is not, it doesn't say the kingdom of Chris. It doesn't say the kingdom of your name. It's the kingdom of God that matters. It's his big picture. Here's here's one way I I like to think about it. This helped me when I was trying to think about it. See my washcloth here? Pretty cool, huh? I actually use this once in a while. (laughs) Believe it or not, I do take a shower and bath and all that. This is a really, really good shape. It's not very frayed and it's solid. You can't see through it. And like when I pull on it, I don't think I could ever pull it apart because it's really strong. And and the reason it's strong is because there's like all these different threads woven together in here. They're all woven together. They kind of hold on to each other. And because they hold on to each other, this thing is really solid. And the really cool thing about it is that it can accomplish the purpose for which it was made. This can be used and do what it was intended to do. It's ready right now to be used. Let me show you another one. This is another one that's in my house, or it was. Do you see this one? See how frayed it is? See all those things hanging down? I mean, it really feels like if I gave it a good strong tug, I could rip it apart. Because it's really not very good shape. And in fact, I can even see through it. This looks like I'm looking through my blue glasses a little bit ago. This is really cool. This is what happens when we start picking at the edges of things. We start pulling ourselves apart. And we become less strong. And, and we become, we're, we've got some gaps. And pretty soon we won't be fit for the purpose that God has made for us. We miss out on the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. And so when we pick at the edges, we become more like this. So when we pick at these edges, we risk unraveling the work of God's kingdom Because we're picking at our unity here. And we pick at it over non-essential matters of conscience. And so God wants us to focus not on those matters of personal conscience, but on the big picture so you and I can work together for all of us to be fit for purpose for the big thing that he wants to do through us and in us. That's what he wants to do. If I'm gonna move God's kingdom forward... There are times when you and I are going to have to lay down our personal preferences and even our rights so that we can move his kingdom forward. We can move his agenda forward. And that's what he's asking you and I to do. And so here's the questions we need to ask ourselves. Am I cool with God? Is he cool with me? And am I cool with others And are others cool with me? These are the questions God wants us to ask ourselves. And because it's so important for us to move God's work forward together, I want to spend some time and give you three ways that we can be cool with other people. Three ways that you and I can use to be cool with other people and forward God's work. Here's way number one. Listen before you talk. Listen before you talk. Let's look at what James chapter 1 says. This is an interesting couple of verses. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, here's what James is doing. He's saying, wake up, right? Pay attention. This is what God wants to say to us. Take note of this. Everyone, not most of us, not some of us, but everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's that righteousness word again. We're not going to be cool with God and cool with others unless, James says, we're quick to listen, slow to speak. It's important for us to listen before we talk. You see, here's the why. Here's why that's so important you have a perspective that only you have. It's a combination of what you know, your experiences, all of that. Only you have that. And when I talk to you and when I actually listen to you, I hear your perspective. I have a perspective, but it's limited because I haven't heard yours yet. And so when I listen to someone else, I hear a different perspective, and sometimes that's really, really important for me to be go- going in the right direction. Otherwise, I can go in the wrong direction. You know, when Cindy and I travel, or even around town, we, I use an app on my phone to, to kind of get around, and that app has a GPS on it. It also has traffic. It has construction zones. Uh, accidents, in case there's accidents that happen, it reroutes you around it, and um, don't tell anybody, but it also warns me of speed traps, (laughs) if if there's any speed traps, so I never use that, of course, but it's got all this stuff, right, and so I put my destination in, it routes me a certain way, and it says when I'm going to get there, and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Here's the problem. I don't listen to it sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going somewhere. I think I know where I'm going, right? And it says, ah, you need to go around this way. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I'll look over at Cindy and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't want to go that way. I know better. And then what happens is I usually end up where the traffic is stopped. There's a construction zone. Why? Because I didn't listen. I didn't listen to the app. Here's why that's important. The app has a higher perspective, a different perspective than what I can have. And if I would just be willing to listen, I would actually get that perspective. And it might change the way I get somewhere. I might actually get there quicker. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to remember that listening to someone else gives you a different perspective that, quite honestly, you don't have. And when we listen, it might change how we think about something. And together, we might actually go in the right direction that God has for us. Look at what Proverbs eighteen thirteen says. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. That's kind of a simple, easy verse to memorize, but it's so true. To answer before listening. How can I answer something before I've heard it? That's why it's folly and shame. That's what I try to do with the app, and it leads me astray. Here's the benefit of listening. The benefit of listening is it gives us time to be quiet. We don't have enough quiet in our world today. (laughs) There's so many voices clamoring, right? Sometimes it's good for us to be quiet and listen. And when we're quiet, being quiet allows me to honor someone else when I'm listening to them. I can actually show someone honor by listening to them. I show that I respect you. I respect your view. I respect you as a person. I want to hear your perspective. I can honor people when I listen to them. The second thing being quiet does for us is it allows me to listen for the Holy Spirit. I can get guidance from Him if I listen. If I talk over Him, I don't always hear that. When I think I know the right way, I don't always hear that. But when I'm quiet and I'm listening, God can actually lead me in the way He wants me to go, and I might be actually on the right path. And so if we're going to be cool with each other, we need to listen before we talk. Number two, we need to take a pass on our privileges. Take a pass on your privileges. You know, I like ice cream. Ice cream lovers. Do we have ice cream? Oh, yeah, look at that. This is my service. I love it. We should have had ice cream here. Darn it. Okay. I love ice cream. I could eat ice cream at every meal. I could eat ice cream for every meal. That's the way it would really be. I love ice cream. It's my kryptonite. I love ice cream. And you know what? I work really hard. I work really hard. Pastor Chad, I work really hard. And um, I live in a free country. I make enough money that I can buy as much ice cream as I want to eat. And... Bless God, I'm going to buy as much ice cream as I want to eat, and I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it all the time. I'm going to buy as much ice cream as I could physically buy, and I'm going to eat it. Now, that's true. I have that privilege, right? I have that right. I live in a free country. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, though. That doesn't mean it's the wise thing to do. If I eat a gallon of ice cream, might tastes good for a while, but it might not taste good a little bit later. It might lead to some other issues that that I don't want to have. It might lead me to the wrong place. You see, not everything I can do should I do. Sometimes I have to take a pass on my privileges for the sake of the greater good. Let's look at what Jesus did. This is really helpful. Paul wrote to another group of people in this town called Philippi. And this is what he said to them in Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another. So he's talking about being cool with each other, right? This relationship area. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You can read the rest of that scripture. Here's the thing. We believe here at Calvary Church that Jesus was fully human. He was a full human being. But we also believe he was fully God, that he was fully God. And so what does that mean? That means he has all the the powers, all the rights, all the privileges of being God. That means God can do anything, right? He's all-powerful. So that means Jesus could have taken himself down from the cross. That means Jesus could have zapped the Romans that put him up there. That means Jesus could have zapped the religious leaders that coerced the Romans to put him up there. Jesus could have done all of that. Do you know why he didn't? You, me, he did it because he wanted life change to happen with you and I. You see, what Jesus did was he took a pass on his privileges so that you and I could experience life change. He didn't exercise all of his rights and privileges that he could have done all because he wanted you and I to experience life change. He wanted to be that sacrifice for us. And he wants us to have that same mindset. That's what Paul said to them. Have this same mindset that Jesus had. Here's what it means. What you take a pass on today just might result in life change for somebody tomorrow. What you actually choose not to do Not to post, not to say, even though you could, just might result in life change for somebody tomorrow. That's Jesus' example. That's what he wants to do for you and I. So we talked about listen before you talk. Number two, take a pass on your privileges. Here's the third way that... You can be cool with other people. Pave the way with forgiveness. Number three is pave the way with forgiveness. Look at what Paul wrote to another group of people in another town that he went to, Colossae, chapter three. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And verse 13 is really, really interesting. It says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see, we're supposed to make allowances... for other people's faults. And guess what? I'm not perfect either. You're not perfect. We all have faults. And what Paul says here is we need to make allowance for that. I can't expect you to be perfect because I know I'm not perfect. And Jesus forgave me. You see, our whole faith, our whole belief in Jesus, our whole Belief in God is rooted in grace and forgiveness. And what God wants us to do is have that same measure of grace and forgiveness for everyone else, for all of us, that we would extend that same level of grace and forgiveness to make allowance for when we mess up, because that's exactly what's going to happen You see, I believe our unity as a church rests on mutual honor, mutual respect, and mutual forgiveness. That's the glue that holds us together. That's the strands tied together. As we have mutual respect, mutual honor, and mutual forgiveness, we begin to be cool with each other. There's a lady that you may have heard of. Her name is Corey Tenboom. Now, Corey Tenboom and her family, really strong Christian family, they lived in this country called the Netherlands. And if you know anything about your history with, like, let's say, World War II time, you know that um, Nazi Germany invaded a lot of countries in Europe. And uh, they also invaded the Netherlands, where the Tenbooms lived. And when, when the Ten Booms were watching what was going on, they noticed that Jewish people were being rounded up, their livelihoods being destroyed, their families being ripped apart, and then some of them were being shipped off and they never saw them again. They were such strong Christians, they said, we just can't stand by and not do anything, so we have to do something about that. And so they opened their home at great risk to them To become sort of a hiding place for for Jewish people trying to get away from that. In fact, her book's called The Hiding Place. I would encourage you to read it. Well, as it turned out, the, the German authorities found out about them and arrested them all. Most of her family was killed. Corey and her sister were sent to one of the concentration camps. And shortly thereafter, Corey's sister passed away. She died from the treatment. And Corey was about to be executed, but through kind of a miraculous event, she was released accidentally, and she survived. And so fast forward to the end of the war, and uh, Corey felt called to tell people about Jesus and to help them begin to rebuild their lives. And so she would go around to different places, different countries, and, and help them with that. But one day she went back to Germany and there was a place a lot of devastation uh, at that time. She went to Munich, Germany and she did a church service there. And she told people about Jesus and what he wanted to do in their life. And the service was over and people were starting to leave. They were filing out and Corey noticed that there was a guy in the very back sitting in the back pew. And he got up came into the center aisle and started walking towards her. And and Corey said, when I got close enough, I could see his eyes. She said, my blood just ran cold because I recognized that guy. That guy was, he was the guard at the concentration camp where my sister died and where I was at. This This was the guy that was there. that was so harsh to us she was frozen now this guy was not just a regular guard he was like really bad to them and he would he would purposefully he and his buddies would watch the ladies as they showered and make fun of them and humiliate them he was a very bad guy to them and here's this guy walking up the aisle towards her and she's like frozen not knowing what to do. And this gentleman walks up to her and says, Madam, to think that Jesus would forgive all of my sins. And he sticks out his hand. At that moment, Corey's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Everything in me wants to lash out at this guy. I want to tell him what he did to my family. I want to tell him what he did to my sister, what he did to me. I want him to pay. But Corey said, I I don't think that's what God wants me to do. But she said to God in a silent prayer, she said, God, I can't forgive this guy. I can't do it. I can't even extend my hand to shake his hand. She said to God, But, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness to flow through me. And because of that, if that's what you want to do, Lord, I will lift my hand and shake his hand. And Corey made the decision she was going to follow God. And she lifted her hand and embraced that man. And she said instantly, God's love and forgiveness just flowed through her and she felt love for this man. And she actually could forgive him. And it took her being willing to make that step for that to happen. Folks, she wanted to be cool with God. But God wanted her to be cool with each other. And Because Corey was willing to listen before she talked. And because Corey was willing to lay down everything she had every right to say to that man. And because she wanted to pave the way with forgiveness, God did a restorative work there. Now, look, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what relationship has been destroyed in this last year and a half. But I know the God that did that work between Corey and that prison guard is the same God that can do that work in your broken relationship. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I feel like I'm talking to a couple of groups today. First group that I feel like I'm talking to are those that you know you need to make make it cool between you and God. When I talked about being cool with God, you said, man, I know I'm not cool with God. I know that I'm not but you can be cool with God today. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as receiving what Jesus has already done for you and asking him to forgive your sins and commit your life to following him. When I pray in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you just to pray in your own words. Commit yourself to God. Ask him to forgive you. And you can be cool with God today. The second group of people I believe I'm talking to, and maybe this is a big group, you've been hurt in this last year and a half. Somebody said something to you, done something to you, posted something that offended you. Or maybe you've done that. God wants us to move forward together to accomplish his work that he wants to do through the good people of Calvary Church. And some of us need to be like Corey, willing to extend a hand and let God's love and forgiveness flow through us. And so if that's you today, if you have that person in your mind that you know you need to talk to, What you need to do is make a commitment like Corey did. She made a commitment to raise her hand and shake this man's hand. You need to make a commitment to work on this relationship, to make the first step. And so we're gonna pray and ask God to do a special restorative work in each one of our lives. Father, we thank you so much for the work that you did on the cross. Thank you for making sure that our scorecard is correct, that you have have taken the penalty and that you have forgiven us when we ask you to forgive us. And Lord, we commit our lives to you. We want you to direct and guide our lives from this moment on. And God, whether we've been the offending party or whether we ourselves have been offended, God, we want to see that restorative work. We want our relationships repaired. And Lord, we want to commit ourselves to be the first to step out so that your love and forgiveness can flow. And so God, give us the courage to reach out to that person this week, to reach out to the one that we need to talk to, that we need to have coffee with. Lord, give us the courage to do it and then work through us. God, we thank you for the work that you are going to do in our lives and in our church so we can move forward with your agenda. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.